Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Anyway, it's a party, and I want the whole family there. We're having a party? No. Conversations about collaboration, episode 16, DSE SACE. Elizabeth Kinsey of Slack joins me to talk about a wide variety of topics. We discuss who's responsible for collaboration, the norms of tools such as Slack, and emoji reaction triggers. I'm not making this up. Let's rock and roll. Elizabeth, where does this pod find you? I am currently in my home office in uh, San Leandro, California, on a very windy day. Very windy day. I keep hearing about this Slack thing. Tell me more about it. Yeah, what what is the Slack thing? Um, so Slack is a messaging app for collaboration, so you can and for business, so you can work. And on all of your work and talk with all the people that you need to talk to and, and have a historical repository of it. Um, it's a, a way to stay in sync and a way to also stay async with all of the things that you need to do within your, within your business. I like that. You could not have just made that up. I did. I did just make that up. That was pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. In sync and async. Yeah. Because unfortunately it, Many people think that all communication needs to be synchronous and all collaboration for that matter. But I'm a big believer that it depends, not just on where you are in the world or your morning person or night person, but do you really have to have a 10-minute meeting when you could have sent an email? Yes. Yep. Or a Slack post. Right. DM, as the kids say. I um, <laughs> It feels like someone should write a book about Slack. I, I think someone might have lunatic <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's got big ideas lots of big ideas um one of the things i write about in the new one and i want to get your opinion on is the tendency of people to conflate adjacent terms so sometimes people say collaboration when they mean communication or communication when they mean coordination um am i wrong those are related they're in the same sort of ballpark but they're not the same yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that they are the same. I mean, if I'm communicating something to someone, I'm not necessarily collaborating with them about that communication or in the process of communicating. Um, and if I'm collaborating with them, hopefully I'm communicating, but I may not be doing it in the traditional sense. It's not like I'm getting on the phone and we're working out things together. Um, and then I think in terms of coordination, I think that still is this, you know, in the universe, but it's not the exact same thing because you may need to communicate while you're coordinating things, but there's a lot of things that happen in terms of coordination that don't involve communication or collaboration because you're just executing on things. So no, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think you're on the right track. There's, there's nuances to them and they are different, but I'm they not, live in the same universe. I'm not wrong. That's the nicest thing someone said to me today. <laughs> Didn't even have to, didn't even have to pay me. <laughs> I was recently talking to a friend who asked me who's responsible in an organization for collaboration. I have my own opinion, but what do you think? So this is kind of a, um, 
might might not be what you might not be an easy answer, but I think it is the best answer, and that's that everyone is responsible for collaboration. Um, you only exhibit like you have to model the behavior that you want, and so if you're not um, taking responsibility for your part of collaborating with other people, then how on earth would anyone else who's new to coming into your company figure out how to collaborate with you? And also, how what how are you setting the expectation for collaboration if you're not also part of it? You may have different. Um, there might be different levels of intensity that you're responsible for in terms of that collaboration, but I think it's everybody's job. That's what I said. So you're not wrong. I'll return the favor. Yes. I, almost, also, I often think that it's like sales, right? You might have dedicated sales folks, but if you network at a party and you act like a jackass, you're not exactly helping the cause. But I understand that if you work for a pharma company, you don't go, what the hell? I'll develop a drug over the weekend, right? It's not hackable. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not running research in your in your living room. Probably not unless you're part of a very good breaking bad show. But um <laughs> I was Wall Street Journal's doing a really interesting series on the future of work, which I think, as well as many other people do, would be hybrid. Mm-hmm. And there was an interesting article in which an employee was getting a vibe that the Slack messages weren't being returned or you put it out there, you know, the person's active, you see the green light, right. And not talking about immediate, but two days later, still um, unanswered. And she thought maybe she was being paranoid, but she was going to be laid off. And then long story short, she was, Um, Mm. I know there's no perfect solution for that because to your point, even now, as we're talking over zoom, I could pick up on, uh, facial signals and hear your tone of voice in a way that I couldn't, even if we were using Slack, which you and I both do. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. I, is, does that problem have an answer? Uh, you know, I think that specific problem might not have an answer, but I think that there are ways that you can set norms in Slack um, and communicate those norms to help alleviate some of that anxiety and also um to figure out when you need to respond to something and also what is important. Um, So for instance, one thing that I like to do is even if I can't get to something right away, I've got a norm sort of set with my team that if I put an emoji eyes on it, it means I've seen it. I may not have time to respond to it, but I'm not ignoring you. Um, And then that also provides an opportunity for if that person needs to follow up with me on thread, it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, badgering them. It's not like the seventh email in a row where you're like, "Hi, you didn't get my notice. Just wondering if you still want to talk." Um, you know that I've seen something because you've you've got that emoji, and so it provides an opportunity or a safety almost for someone to follow up with you. Um, and then I think the other thing that I like to do as often as I can remember it, especially if I'm posting something out of someone else's normal working hours. I work on a global team. I have a teammate who's in Dublin, Ireland. I have a teammate who is in India. I have a teammate who's in Germany. And so we're not all in the same time zone. Um, And so I'll I'll often add, here's when I expect a reply. Or like, if you can get to this by, no need to answer now. If you can get to this tomorrow. And then if I still don't hear anything tomorrow or the next day, then I'll follow up. But just putting in some of those cues so that folks that you're communicating with um, can make some of it because there's no sarcasm font. There's no like, there's no, there's not a lot of things that you can do outside of text. Um, and so finding ways within text to 
try and give those cues. I think those are those are some examples of things that I do. Um, but I think it's a hard problem to solve because even I think I I experience it less so um, in Slack messages and more so when I was really reliant on email was this interpretation of tone because. In email, it tended to be big blocks of things. And so by the time you got to the bottom of an email, you could be like, this person hates me. Um, we're going to be able to get this project done. Like we're completely on the opposite pages. And in reality, it's all of that is just being read in the tone I'm interpreting it in. But I think that part of the thing that um, helps break that up in Slack is that you don't post these long missives. You tend to be a little bit more concise. And so I think that helps a little bit, but yeah, the be, be specific and be clear and, and set norms. I, I've heard before and seen in the workspace that we share the double eyes looking into it emoji. When you look into something and you've already done, you didn't take that emoji off. So I'll usually add a check mark, a green check mark, um, and to kind of show that it's resolved. If it, or if it's not, I also have like a little spinning wheel that I've uploaded as a custom emoji. If it's like, okay. hey, this is still in progress, <laughs> like I haven't forgotten about it, um, or I'll just add a comment to the thread. But usually, if I've if it's looked at and then been acted on, it'll get a it'll get a green check mark um, to mark off as done. Love those green check marks. Right, right. So by searching through emojis, you can kind of see what you have to look into without transferring it over to a proper task management tool like Todoist or whatever Microsoft to do. Yeah. And actually in some cases, depending on if it's, um, if it's like a general question, I usually won't set up a workflow, but if I have a, for instance, our feedback channel, um, where we get feedback from users and I want to make sure that when that gets done, um, that it gets recorded somewhere. And so I actually use a, a workflow that's an emoji reaction trigger, um, to then send a message to another place. Um, so like I have a shared channel that I send, here's the feedback that needs to be handled using an emoji. But, um, or if I need to actually set it up as a task, as uh, Workflow Builder gets more advanced and more companies are building steps for apps, you can actually bring in your whatever you know your task management app is and say using an emoji reaction that the next step that happens is that it talks to this other system and sets up a task. So um, I'm, I'm getting kind of fancy with it, actually. A couple things. First, wouldn't that be a great name for a band? Emoji action trigger, or at least an album, yes. right? You go, oh, you got to see this band, right? Kind of like I'm dating myself, but when I was in grade school, you ever play that game Egyptian Rat Screw? With yeah. the slap them on the head. Everybody playing Egyptian <laughs> Rat Screw? What of it? Um, yeah. So to do all these cool things, sounds like you're uh, got to be pretty well versed in Python, right? No, actually, Workflow Builder is totally, completely WYSIWYG. It's just point, click, add. So if you know how to fill out a Google form, you can set up a workflow. Um, I do, there are a couple of things that are a little bit more advanced that I, I will engage one of our developers on if I'm like, hey, this thing isn't built for me already. Can you help out? But yeah, um, Workflow Builder is absolutely no code. If you want to get really crazy and set up a webhook, you could, but that's pretty much the the uh, the the extreme side of coding for Workflow Builder outside of that. Unless, of course, you want to build your own step. So say you wanted to do something super custom and there wasn't a step there already, you could 
uh, ostensibly build that step for yourself, but I'm not that advanced. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me because I love workflow builder, even though I probably am a little bit on the on the technical side. I'm not a full stack developer. I know enough Python and JavaScript to be dangerous, but I feel like that's something that people don't appreciate about what I like to call the internal collaboration hubs. And I know your expertise is in Slack, but I know that some companies, <coughs> Microsoft kind of borrow uh, quite a bit from what you guys are doing. And to be fair, they've done the same thing with Power BI and Tableau and, and other features. So they're not just picking on you guys, but um, I try to convince people that you know, Slack is so much more than email. And sometimes I'm successful uh, when I was a college professor in the information systems department, no less. Very few of my <laughs> colleagues, right, who by definition were techies, would move away from email. I used to go, it's so much more than that. And I often, I would lose the battle. I think about when I first, so um, company where I worked before I worked at Slack, we used Slack. And so I'd used Slack for, you know, four years by the time I started at Slack. And um, we didn't use Slack very well. That's what I learned my first day at Slack. I was like, oh, shit, this is there is so much more that I could be doing. And I used to manage um, the previous company. I was in charge of like five different email aliases. And some of those email aliases led like lead gen forms and did different things. And so I had to set up a ton of rules and filters on Gmail and basically like once a quarter go through and like edit everything and make sure it was up to date so that I didn't get a thousand messages a day, um, a thousand emails a day, and then never could find the work that I actually needed to be doing. And we also had, um, we used, we BCC'd a lot of folks on things and it would drive me crazy because I would try and figure out, okay, well, who has what information? And like, we used Slack and we didn't just use Slack for this stuff. But even on top of that, I mean, thinking about the ways that I've been to able to improve the work I do, even with simple things like not having to leave leave what I'm doing and be able to do something quickly in Slack. So maybe I need to like create a new Trello card really quickly in a channel that's associated to a board. And I can do that in a click rather than having to navigate over to a web interface, make sure I'm logged in, make sure that I've got on the right board, find the list it needs to go into. Like I can just do it all directly from Slack. Um, And that's, I mean, Trello is a small example, but there's also, there's just so many things that I didn't realize you could do in Slack. And after having lived and breathed um, in Slack now, I'm like, what is email? I make this joke all the time, even with not, with people who are not like Slack users or not like don't, aren't in the tech industry or don't really have an understanding. They're like, well, email is a thing that you, do you really not know what email is? And I'm like, no, no, it's just, it's a joke, but like, it's, at this point, I forget. To, I have to set a reminder. I have a reminder in Slack to check my email once a day because otherwise I completely forget. So there's so much you can do with it outside of outside of email. But yeah, you're totally right. Not it's but once you show people, right? Like, and once they get it, then it's like transformative. Then it's then people are so excited and they're like, Tell me more about how I can do this. Why doesn't this, why don't this company have an app for Slack? Like, I wish that their app did this. And I'm always, all my other friends who work at tech companies, I'm always like, can I tell you a secret about how to make your Slack app better? Um, but they, they they don't always like to hear from me because of that. But 
I'm completely with you on, on less toggling. And yes, for certain things like in Trello, I don't see a future in which you can do absolutely everything from um, Slack that corresponds to Trello. But I agree with you for the, the simple things or commenting. And I, I kind of see Slack as this hub and these other spokes are all connected. And to your point, if there isn't a native app, and I know there is for Trello, there is for Asana, um, I'm surprised by default if there isn't one um, kind of a way of making it work or a bridge with mm-hmm. Zapier or Mercado or IFTT or something like that. And I think to myself, my gosh, I can automate the hell out of things. Um, and I don't, yeah. as you were saying before, have to be some coder. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, for so I run our community program at Slack, and when someone wants to apply to be a new chapter leader, um, they fill out a Google form, and that Google form then gets you know sent over to a Trello board, and then there's a notification, and all of this stuff is happening. But I only ever see it in a Slack channel because I don't. <laughs> there's it's just it's between Zapier and between the, cap- the native capabilities of Slack and the native app that um, you know this third party software is built. There's so much of my processes that have been automated where now I'm not as focused on like the work of work. I'm actually focused on what it is I need to do, which is, you know, make a better onboarding experience and create an environment that's good for folks to come in and collaborate and contribute in. Um, And I'm not as focused on, okay, how do I make this process happen? Yeah. I actually smile when I get a notification that someone's commented one of my Google docs because I have that stitched into my Slack workspace and I never leave it, right? So let's say I share it with you with one email address, but you said, oh, no, no, my Gmail account or Google accounts are with another one. Okay, grant access, hit button, boom. And that's, to your point, one fewer email, I've got that context. And I I was reading a few articles about how people have lambasted over the years enterprise software because it wasn't fun. I'm going to use the F word. Slack is fun, damn it. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> you feel fun. like you're winning, right? Because you didn't have to do the the bogus. I mean, it's never. I don't think it's ever going to be 100. But to your point, if you spend half of your time on administrative work and half your time on creative, what if you can make it 70 30 creative versus administrative? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Switching gears. Tell me a little bit about Embolden. Yeah, so Embolden is an organization that has been around for um, about 11, 12 years, I think, and uh, really started out as a way to connect women who were in what we called at that time digital, uh, women in digital, or women in wireless, because anything that was not uh, traditional marketing was wireless or digital marketing, um, to connect them together and provide a spot where you can learn and grow from each other, develop leadership skills. Um, So I've been involved with Embolden for a little over three years now. Um, I was the co-president of the San Francisco chapter, which was one of the first five chapters um, that came about. It's a global organization. I think there's 11 11, people. across the globe that are currently active. Um, And now I just act as an advisor for them. And so um, helping them continue to build out this awesome community that they have that that has been built out over time um, and definitely has expanded. So it started out as Women in Wireless was the the name of Embolden. um, And they changed the name about two years ago uh, to sort of 
kind of realize that it's not just women who are in digital advertising. Everything is digital now. You know, all, most of the things that you think of as, as marketing now are online. And so, um, and, and not, and everything, whereas before it was mobile was a very specialized niche. Now everything is mobile. Like you don't just, you don't build a website with the idea that no one's ever going to go to it on their, their phone. Um, you build the website with the idea that everyone's going to go to it on their phone. And maybe some people, if you're lucky, will go to it on their laptop, you know? So, um, but it's an awesome organization. Uh, they're based in New York and they have a, a great podcast called Mad Women, where they bring on uh, female leaders and talk about all kinds of things within within the world of technology. Mad Women? Mad Women, yeah. That's funny. I'm rewatching Mad Men right now. Yeah, yeah. Little little play on that. I figured as much. With uh, Embolden, do you try to get the folks there to use Slack? Yeah. So the local chapter uses Slack, um, and then we, the global network also uses Slack. So we we use Slack. I don't think we could have done any of the events that we did with Embolden before the pandemic. Um, now all the events are virtual, but we did about anywhere between five to seven events um, for our community in a year. And because it's all, you know, we're all volunteers and we're all doing this because we believe in the mission and and we, we want to create these experiences for folks. Um, but we also have jobs. <laughs> and so the, I don't think that any of the things, you know, planning a holiday gala for, 150 people um, and trying to do that over email or, or over phone. Like if we hadn't had Slack and been able to update each other and, um, and, and plan, honestly, like plan these projects out and figure out who's going to, who's going to take what, who's going to do what. I don't think we would have been able to be as successful with, with a lot of these events as we were. And now it's become like the lifeblood. Like now it's, because we can't get together. Like we can't go out and have drinks and like do a planning session quarterly. It's all has to be virtual. So um, without Slack, we wouldn't be doing anything right now. Yeah. When you were talking about arranging an event with 150 people via email, you just described my personal hell. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived on that, on that circle of, in that circle of, uh, of, of the inferno and I never want to go back. Oh, it's insane. I mean, forget 150, even five. How about Thursday at six? I go, dude, doodle. And fun fact, doodle Slack app, right? So you get the responses right mm-hmm. there. And yep. it's just, why wouldn't you do it? Yep, I just, absolutely. I, I just, I don't understand why you'd want to do something in 15 steps. And it's not the fun work, right? It's not golf where, okay, in theory, it's fun, but not always, but different discussion. It's just, it's the, it's the administrative stuff, knowing that it's freaking 2021 now, and we're still doing something the way we would have done it in 1997. And back then, to be fair, you know, collaboration tools are very primitive, but now mm-hmm. we've got this, you know, we've got this freaking car that goes 120 miles an hour and a lot of speed track. Oh, I'm just going to go 20. Well, <laughs> I just, I just, uh, Yep. Yep, I'm right there with you. I I am so there with you that I actually um, finally started a family Slack instance because I was, so I come from a very large family and um, there was about eight of my siblings that were in 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 a group message. And it started off with like a purpose. We were actually talking about something, but then it just sort of turned and devolved into, you know, just randomly people would like say something to this group message. And I was, I was like, okay, look, y'all, 
like, we need, this is not the way that we're doing this anymore. And so I made them all join Slack. And I was like, here is your channel to post pictures of your children. Like, that's great, but I don't need 50 of the same, like your baby just slightly turning their head. Like that's, it's adorable. I love my niece, my nephew, but which one is it again? No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, even, even things like that and communication with my family, I was like, we need to organize these conversations because the group DMs are not doing it for me right now. Plus if one of them's on Android and the other one's on Apple and I'm like liking their message and they're like, what message did you like? I'm like, we need to go to Slack. I need react You're more successful with that than I am because I've got five friends from Carnegie Mellon and I actually write about this in Slack for dummies and we're all pretty tech savvy, some more than others, but I said, got same thing, right? We've got one massive thread. Four of us are on iOS, two of us are on Android, right? And three of my friends are bikers. Three of us aren't and nothing against the biking stuff, but it's like they're speaking another language, right? And when I go off on some NBA thing, I mean, we all like basketball, but some are less into it. So I started a workspace and I tried to get them and only one of my friends was into it and everyone else just dismissed it uh, because of familiarity. But uh, so I'll mute the thread because I'll wake up and I've got 62 messages and I'm just my phone doesn't need to blow up. So it's just, um, ah, yeah, I think the timing was good because it was like right around the beginning of the pandemic. So all of them were having to learn new tools anyway. And I was like, trust me, this one's easy and you don't have to get fancy with it. Like, and now it's at the point where like my mom, she gets mad when people don't reply in thread. She'd be like, I know they should have replied in thread. I'm like, mom, I love you. I'm with you though on, on being, I want to say a, sl- a slack snob because I encourage people to use it particularly if they're new, but you know, there are, to your point from before, norms and mores and what works in one workspace or one channel won't work in another. So it's not hard to envision a humor channel where there's still Absolutely. things obviously inappropriate, but some people like humor more than others. And imagine just in an inbox, again, this isn't 1996 when people would forward a, a joke or, you know, and, okay, ha ha ha. Can we put that in a different bucket? Because I don't want that lumped together with all the other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's the beauty of channels is that you can make things as granular and fi- or, or as wide as you want. So if you want to just have all of that, anything that would be in that catch-all, you're like, it's a random channel. Throw whatever you want in there. But maybe you only want to talk about cats. So you've got your cats channel and then you've got all of your business channels. And I think that that's one of the beautiful things, um, being able to have like a place for, for things to go. And that's really at the discretion of the people who are building the workspace and creating it. Or in the case of a business, like the, the, what those needs are. I'm totally with you. And I don't know what it was maybe a year ago. So you guys added the, the sections. So you can put the channels together, which I thought was huge because sometimes people don't adhere to the best naming conventions and you can do the alpha sort, but that doesn't work. You do the most recent ones. Well, sometimes that doesn't work, but I just thought that was perfect, but very much like your file structure in your computer. 
Yeah, sections were a wonderful game changer. I'll tell you a slightly funny story. So, well, I think it's funny anyway. So, um, so a lot of the stuff that that you that shows up in Slack, um, we the employees will experience before it, it goes out to everyone else. And sometimes it's things where we say, "This is horrible. Please dial it back." And other times it's like, "This was a life changing thing. Like we have to get this out to users as soon as we can." So one of those life changing things for me was, um, I think at the time we called them collections not sections, but they were, it was like a prototype when I joined Slack. And so my first year that I was at Slack, um, they were, you know, fine tuning this feature was, was surprisingly more complex than you would think um, to actually build out. So there was a lot of like little nuances and changes. So I got used to having these collections or sections for a year. Um, and then when we went to roll it out to everyone, you know, they have to pull it off of our instance and so that they can actually build it into the product. And there's usually like, you know, some, some time delay. And I was on vacation when they sent the announcement that it was going to happen. And so I came back and all of it was gone. And I, it took me like three weeks to figure out how to use Slack again, because at that point I joined so many channels that maybe necessarily weren't critical to my day to day, but they were things that I wanted to, like, I had to check on this once a week folder and like, um, and so everything was just all mixed back together. And it was like, I had so much anxiety and so <laughs> until we got sections again, cause I was like, I don't know how to use Slack without sections. So I was right. really happy when it came out to everyone else, because that also meant that I got them back, but yeah, there's, yeah, a, lyric, there's a lyric from our rest song, losing it a Saturday still to watch it die than never to have known it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Neil Peart, uh, rest in peace, was not writing about Slack. <laughs> no, no, not unless he was prescient, but... <laughs> yeah, it's it's just remarkable to me. And in the future, I'm of the opinion, feel free to disagree, that Slack will become so intelligent because you've got all the data, all the communications that, yes, you can still say, check this once a week, remind me tomorrow, but it'll get smart enough That'll say, well, you haven't checked this channel in a while, or so and so needs you, despite the fact that um, urgent isn't in the equivalent of a subject heading, right? It's going to know more about what you need and when you need it. And I think CEO Stuart Butterfield has talked about this. Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes about Slack you're always on chief of staff that answers questions you didn't think to ask. Boom, mind blown. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's a good one get you out here on this. Uh, give me a book recommendation. What are you reading now? So right now I am actually in the middle of three different books. Um, <laughs> Show up. No, it's just because, so one of them, I started doing this new thing on Twitch. I used to be really into Twitch things, which was like their karaoke game. But um, because of various reasons they um they they killed the game at the beginning of the year and so there's a bunch of us from the twitch things community they're trying to figure out something to do um and so i've started live streaming reading aloud and which is way more fun than it sounds um and so for my for twitch i'm i'm currently reading a book called oryx and crake which is by margaret atwood and it's the first in a trilogy um and it is about a sort of end of the world event um, that's uh, maybe not the best thing to read in a, in a pandemic, but uh, also maybe the best thing to read in a pandemic. So sort of a futuristic society in, a, in, a, in the way that Margaret Atwood, um, the only one that can paint those kinds of things. And then 
I'm reading a book for work. So I'm reading a book called um, Building Brand Communities. It's by Carrie Melissa Jones and Charles H. Vogel. And it's uh, an excellent read if you are in the community world, especially if you are doing community for your business. Um, and then I'm reading The End of Policing um, by Alex Vitale. For the, that's my that's my fun read. Um, so that's I've got I've got a number of books on the bookshelf right now, and I would recommend any of those. Good stuff, Elizabeth. Thanks for taking the time. You stay safe. You too. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to conversations about collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not? Please download, like, or subscribe. Letter C. Gracias. Obrigado to the producer of this podcast, podcastedition.com. You guys rock. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, and how can you not, please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.